Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the PHNX VIP Lounge brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay. That's Espo. Gerald Bourget will be joining us here shortly after talking with head coach Monty Williams and the players. And this afternoon, the Phoenix Suns defeat the Sacramento Kings 127 to 124. I hated this game for so many reasons. I'm glad we got the W, but I'm so glad it's over. <laughs> this this game was not worthy of funky sax music. This game was this game was a dive bar written all over. This was the ultimate Buscemi. This was the the ugliest of ugly. And yet the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the NBA. Suck it, refs. I just, I mean, I just got to get this off my chest. This was not the game to be going into overtime. It was not the game to be playing Mikkel Bridges as many minutes as he had to play tonight, which was what? 50 minutes. Mikkel Bridges played 50 minutes tonight. This was not the game to potentially allow for more players to get injured, which we saw Jay Crowder go down after landing on a foot after a three-point attempt. Like, this was not it. Like, this was not the game. It's the Sacramento Kings in a meaningless game in the middle of March. I was very upset throughout all of this game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I Can we... Let's take it. Let's just do it right now. I'm just going to call this. We're, we're going to do take your shot. Can you read? Uh, can you read that for me? Yes, absolutely. We can do take your shot. It is time to take your shot presented by Arizona Department of Health Services. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. The refs, I'm looking at you for take your shot today. All right. You are like the friend that everybody has that loves the drama, that does everything to try to get attention to themselves when it doesn't matter, when you're not the most important person in the room. When it comes to the refs, ah, they're bad on both sides. Nope. Tonight, they were just bad when it came to the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker fouls out. DeAndre Ayton fouls out. JaVale McGee fouls out. Ms. Biombo played, I believe it was like, eight minutes and then uh, and had three fouls yeah eight minutes and three fouls the refs did not give the Suns any respect tonight and called some real horse shit calls tonight all right this was it was putrid i i am i do not believe in conspiracy theories but when you watch a game like today you go was there some money on this one what in the actual hell was that I don't know, but it wasn't good refereeing. Somebody in the chat said it was Walmart refereeing. That's an insult to Walmart. I'm pretty sure you know that website, the people of Walmart. You could pick any one of those, any three of those random people, and they do a better job officiating this game than the actual crew did tonight. It was putrid. One more time, COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. Honestly, Espo, like, I know that oftentimes there's been a handful of games this year where we've talked about the officiating and just how it kind of seems lopsided. But I think it's getting to the point now where it's just maybe a little more obvious. Now, I'm not saying, like, had the Suns lost this game, I'm not saying it would have been solely because of the officiating. So I just want to make that disclaimer very clear. There were some other pieces of this game that the Suns just did not play very well or to their standards. But it felt very lopsided tonight, and it seems to be continuing to be a trend with the Suns. 
and I don't know what the deal is. I don't know how to fix it, but it sucks. It definitely sucks. Look, I would, I would, if they had lost this game, fully lay it at the feet of the refs. Because when you take the two best players on the Suns out of the game simply by calling, uh, you know, shitty fouls, that's on the refs. I mean, this this was bad. I mean, the free throw discrepancy closed at the end, which it always magically seems to do. Yeah, it's do always surprisingly at, way at, closer. Yeah, at the end of the game. But, I mean, 36 free throws for the Kings to 27 for the Suns, and it wasn't even that close. There were some egregious, egregious calls. I'd lay this completely at the feet <laughs> of the refs. And there was a non-call that against uh, when Jay Crowder took a three-pointer and I don't remember which Kings defender basically stuck his foot under Jay as he, as he came down, Jay never came back in the game. He was grabbing his ankle. It looked pretty bad. He couldn't put, uh, it couldn't put pressure on it when he was walking off. That's a missed call as well. That hurt the Suns literally and figuratively. It was just bad all around him. It was Justin Holiday um, whose foot Jay landed on. And thankfully, I mean, here's how I'm feeling about the Jay Crowder thing. I'm really upset that it happened in the first place, especially we just got Jay back. He did finish the game, though, on the bench, and it will look like he was in pretty decent spirits over there on the bench. So I'm hoping that nothing crazy happened. Now, that doesn't mean that we might not miss Jay for the next handful of games just to give him some time if he needs some rest for that ankle or whatever, but I don't think it's going to be anything drastic or long-term, which is a well, positive. At least you got Tory Craig for, to hold yeah. it down until he's back. All right. I noticed somebody's in the, in, in backstage and it's not the girth. It's uh Saul Bookman. I have no clue what he's hopping in. I swear in to God, if San it is Diego not to, to give stay. flowers to Landry Shannon, I'm sending you out of this, this Lind- thing Lindsay, here. you should be happy that I'm here in the first place. You had me in the goddamn waiting room for like five fucking minutes. I didn't know you were coming. I wasn't watching the waiting room. <laughs> I put room. it back there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now he's gone. Oh, what happened? You kicked him out of the whole stream. Not just I the didn't. <laughs> I went to put it back in and it disappeared. Where oh, <laughs> Lindsay no. just eviscerated Saul. <laughs> Listen, here, let me just let me just reset us for five seconds here. I know I've been real spicy off the top of the show. I am very happy that the Suns were able to get the win today. Um, despite all of the things that happened in this game, we got a W. The magic number is now down to two uh, to get that one seed. I uh, just really want this team to be healthy and to be ready and rested for the playoffs. So I didn't appreciate the way that this one kind of unfolded, but I am very happy for the W. Yeah, I mean, definitely. This Look, sometimes you're winning ugly is perfectly fine. Yeah. And today was one of those. I mean, let's be honest. These games don't matter that much. With the win today, the magic number's two mm-hmm. to get the uh, uh to get the one seed. So what honestly, what is the what is the point, you know, especially playing <laughs> playing Mikhail 50 minutes seems very pointless in a game against the Kings like this. You don't need a win sometimes you can throw it throw it away you know and and i wonder if tonight should have been one of those nights i'm glad they got the win i glad i'm glad they're closer to controlling the one seed and 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 you know setting the record franchise record of 63 wins but man that was that that could have been could have been bad especially if we find out jay's out any it, you know, like any a substantial ex- amount of time you know, It's substantial. That's that's problematic in a game yeah. that really, really didn't matter. Agreed. So fingers crossed that Jay is OK. I know Devin took a shot to the face as well, but it's Devin is unfortunately used to that. So I'm sure he'll be just fine. <laughs> I don't want him to have to be used to that. But still, um, I'm sure uh, Devin will be just fine as well. Espo, take us to the bar. Let's get a drink while we maybe wait for Saul to come back and join us. 
I was going to say afternoon drinking, but I guess it's six o'clock. That's what happens. We're going to have some sour officiating tonight. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's it's sour. It's, uh, it leaves a little, you know, feeling in your stomach. But in the end, it gets you drunk. So I guess it's a it's a win, right? That's kind of like tonight's game. So Yes, exactly. But you know what? We're having drinks. We're hanging out in the VIP lounge. One more time, I'm going to tell you the Phoenix Suns defeat the Sacramento Kings 127 to 124. And uh, we got to give a lot of flowers to a couple different people here tonight. First and foremost, I want to give some flowers to Landry Shamit because he knocked down a three that was very crucial for this Suns win. Late in the game, I believe it was under a minute left in overtime. He got an inbound pass and just pretty as ever knocked down that three, allowing the Suns to keep a nice feeling lead, nice enough feeling lead with about 38, I believe, seconds remaining in the game. So Landry Shamit deserves some flowers. Not only that, though, not only that, he did finish with 21 points total. He was 7 of 11 from the field, 5 of 9 from deep. Landry Shamit committed or contributed very, very well in tonight's game. Yeah, I mean, look, he's been shooting, you know, I think it was Gerald tweeted a little over 40% recently from beyond the arc. Did it again tonight. He's five of nine. He was he was well over fifty percent uh, at this at this point. So or in this game, so deserves all the flowers. That's why you keep going to him because at some point you're gonna need him. And, you know, you needed him here, needed him, quote unquote, in this game. And that that three that he hit that they ran that uh, out of bounds play for him was a thing of beauty. So all the flowers to Landry Shamit tonight. He deserves it. I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that's what Saul was here to say, and I don't know if his phone died or what. So we'll find out. I texted out. him, so we'll see. But in the meantime, we have Gerald Borgay here joining us after uh, chatting with some folks. Oop, that was my bad. <laughs> Hi, Gerald. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Good. Did you talk with Monty? We did. We got a lot of good stuff from Monty. Um, the number one thing, obviously, he was proud of his team's perseverance and the way that they fought through. He talks a lot about mental stamina and poise and the way that this team was able to do that with Chris Paul and Cam Johnson out, with Jay Crowder going down, with you know Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and JaVale McGee all fouling out, and they still find a way to win on the road in overtime you know, playing five on eight, basically. I'm not a guy that likes to look at refs a lot of the time, but that was horrendous down the stretch, mm-hmm. especially. Um, so for them to do that and be able to continue to find ways to win, continue to test their depth and putting guys in different positions that they normally wouldn't be in on a team like this is pretty incredible. Um, and he also had some, you know, he, he was talking about as far as the officiating goes, he said he wasn't paying too much attention to that because, his job is to just do the next right thing and put them in position to win basketball games. So he didn't have time to stress over that, even though it was pretty obvious. He said the discrepancy in fouls. Um, but he also said that in his opinion, Mikhail Bridges should be defensive player of the year. Just the way that he defends from the inside out, never ducks a matchup. Um, and, and the way that he you know, played 50 minutes tonight, which is incredible. Um, those are all things that, just kind of lend themselves to the conversation. And Monty has talked about, I need to be more vocal about which of my guys deserve awards. So he came right out and said it. Mikhail Bridges should be the defensive player of the year. Let's, let's just be honest. It was four on nine for at least 18 minutes (laughs) of this game. When Alfred Payton was out there who contributed nothing offensively and was a minus 13 for the game. One of only two people who are mine or one of only three people who were a minus, uh, tonight surprisingly but uh yeah he was he was not good and he gets the start and that that puts you behind the eight ball just to to begin with and then Landry actually winds up playing a lot of those uh point guard minutes down the stretch and and did it admirably so Mm -hmm. I don't know this was a very bizarre game Gerald (laughs) it really was I mean I feel like we should have Saul not watch the game more often because every time he doesn't watch Landry Shamit goes off you're telling me (laughs) I am so upset about it Gerald I was like why is it that every time Saul's not here Landry has a decent game so that Saul has to Saul gets to avoid giving flowers to Landry (laughs) just like he tried to join us a minute ago but then he dropped 
and we couldn't figure out what was going on. So hopefully he jumps back in and gives some flowers to Landry. <laughs> yes, we hope so. But uh, book is up, so I will be right back in here. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, yeah, so officiating is kind of a bummer, but at least this team was able to get through it. I want to know, Espo, how you feel about Mon- – I mean, I get it, Let her, like – it makes total sense. Monty is always giving his players credit before anybody else, as he should. But how much credit also does Monty deserve for the way that his team has been able to do certain things throughout this season, be able to fight through adversity, be able to get wins despite all of the players that are missing from the floor? How much credit does Monty deserve for this as well? Well, Monty deserves a lot of credit in preparing these guys. He has them mentally ready. He makes sure they don't get too high or too low uh, in a game. He has the right approach. Obviously, it's the players that go out there uh, and do it on the court, but everything up until uh, stepping on the court, Monty Williams deserves a hell of a lot of credit for uh, and and just having these guys prepared, as does it to a lesser extent. James Jones, who knows the mentality he wants out of these guys. I mean, Monty Williams, if you're if you're a Monty player, you know how much he believes in you. You know how much he trusts in you. I mean, just look at Landry Shamit. We've talked about this. A guy that most coaches probably would have buried way deep in the bench, right? Alfred Payton even, too. He hasn't paid dividends, but, but Monty, given the start tonight, is a – I believe in you. We may need you. Show, you know, prove my faith in you right here. I mean, if if Landry Shamit played for the Knicks, right, they would have buried him, you know, way deep on the bench. I mean, that's just the way the way that coaching staff operates. But Monty Williams looks at it and goes, "No, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hype these guys up. I'm gonna give them the chance." I love that about him because mm-hmm. it, it. I mean, you know. Lindsay, we all know we we all have had bosses that don't believe in us, don't buy into us, don't don't support us, stand in the way every step, right? And then we've had those on the rare occasion that lift us up, that believe in us, that say, "Hey, I trust you. You go do what you feel is is right in this situation, and I have your back a hundred percent." And when you have that, you perform better. It's just mm-hmm. natural, and I think that's a big reason why the bench guys who were a big reason why they won tonight and have stepped up throughout this season are always ready. Yeah, absolutely. Monty will give you the tools and trust you to know what to do with those tools and trust that your decision-making is in line with the overall, what with overall what's best for this team. And I think like we've talked about how Monty is just, one of the best leaders that we've seen here with the Suns, at least in recent years. And I just want to give some flowers to him as well, because I know that he's always uplifting his players and giving them a lot of love after tough games like tonight. But I also think we need to give Monty a little love every once in a while too. Not that we don't, but just a little extra here tonight, because I do think it's, it's Monty who's making sure that these guys are ready. It's Monty's making sure that these guys have confidence that when you're missing Chris Paul campaign, Cam Johnson, and then you lose DeAndre, Devin, and JaVale, that you still have what it takes to win a game, regardless if it's the Sacramento Kings or not. Because even though it was the Sacramento Kings, the Sacramento Kings were working the Suns really hard tonight. The Suns didn't take a lead in this game until the beginning of the fourth quarter. So it's not like this was an easy win, despite having not having all of your best players out there on the court. It was tough. It took a lot of effort. They had to dig deep. And this also showed just really how deep the Suns team is as well. Well, I don't think the Suns ever got had a larger than four-point lead throughout this game, uh, which is unbelievable considering what the Suns have done uh, mm-hmm. this season in general. But, uh, yeah, this this entire team stepped up uh, this evening or this afternoon. God, I hate afternoon games, like I said. But you look at it, Shamit, 21 points. Aaron Holiday steps up with nine. JaVale McGee with 14 and seven. Uh, Torrey Craig, six points, but gets 10 rebounds. Like they, they come up and, and step up big when, you know, they, they have to, I mean, Torrey Craig wound up having to fill those minutes after Jay Crowder got hurt. And there was, 
uh, there was a, a period in, I think it was the fourth, uh, forgive me, I don't have my notes with me, but I think it was the fourth where he stopped, uh, he stopped a guy on defense, uh, forced a bad shot, ripped the rebound out, uh, all, all himself. I mean, that was all just hustle and heart uh, by Tory Craig, and, and he came through as well. This bench, the depth has been spectacular. Uh, and yeah, sure, it was just the Kings, but when the Kings, you know, have the officiating on the side and they're at home and all these factors, I, you know, the Suns dug deep and still found a way. I, I loved it. And I hate the fact that the Kings just gave the NBA the blueprint, other <laughs> NBA teams the blueprint on how to beat the Suns. Have the refs in the bag, and that's the way you can beat the Suns. And wait, you couldn't even beat the Suns with it, so you can keep it close that way. Yeah. I mean, we, I do want to give a few flowers to Tory Craig too, because after that Landry Shamit uh, three late in the game, Tory Craig played some really good defense and then got that rebound, pushed the ball up to McHale who got to uh, the stripe. And that was kind of like that 30 seconds or so is what I feel like really sealed the deal. You had the great offensive play, another great defensive outing on that side of the court. And then, getting to the free throw line. I wish Mikel would have knocked down both of those free throws, but at least he got one and it still worked out in the end. But Tori Craig definitely deserves some flowers for not just that defensive play late in the game, but also, like you said, being able to step into that Jay Crowder role, um, even though he was prepared to mentally prepared to have a role in the second unit. When Jay went down, he was able to step in there and uh, have an impact as well on this team and do some really cool things. All right. You ready to name our draft king king of the game? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, I, we're probably going to take a little heat because it should go one way, but. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and give it to Devin Booker tonight. Devin Booker is going to be our draft king king of the game. <laughs> he hit that 31 point, right? We said we're not giving it to him unless he surpasses the 30 point mark. And really, I mean, that shot that he hit to take the lead with eight seconds left in regulation there, what put it over top? That is yeah. vintage Devin Booker. Like the man has cojones the size of the basketball that they play with. I mean, it is insane how he just knows in that kind of situation that he can hit that, uh, that corner shot. I mean, it, it's pretty. And he did it again. Look, Landry, Landry's worthy. But, you know, it, no, he, uh, XDS, no, he did not need in the chat. XDS says, didn't he need 10 assists too, though? No, it was 10 assists or 30 points. That's, uh, that's the why new he, Devin Booker rules for winning draft king, king of the game. He needs at least 30 points or at least 10 assists. Um, Landry definitely was like 1B, right? Like Landry could have definitely been our draft king king of the game but I think we decided to go with Devin because it was there were a lot of moments in this game too where we wouldn't have even gotten to the point that we got to and to be able to win this game if it wasn't for Devin Booker including those 19 points in the third quarter that really got them kind of back into this game I think they got the lead down to four or so within that quarter where thanks to Devin Booker and then like you said he was the one who was able to knock down that shot to get the go-ahead to just even force overtime in the first place. And I'm sure had Devin not fouled out, which, again, we already talked about the officiating, he probably would have been a big part of this win. But he didn't have to be because, thankfully, that second unit and all those guys stepped up to the plate and they took care of business even though he wasn't able to. Yeah, look, if, if they had lost, the refs would have gotten the king of the game because it was 53 <laughs> fouls uh, in total in this game, which I believe it was Brittany – in the chat said that equates to almost one foul per minute played in this game. So, you know, they would have gotten a tip of the hat if the Suns had lost, but Devin deserves it. And this is not a Shamit slander. All right. This is, this is acknowledging Devin, but we do know the impact that Landry had. So let's, yeah. uh, let's keep that in perspective as well. You know, a lot of people, Brittany said, yeah, Shamit or Mikhail. Sundaris Dunk said Mikhail was the man on both ends, 50 minutes. Uh, Sean also said Mikhail basically playing the whole game should be crowned. There were a lot of really good options in tonight's game to be potentially named the king of the game. Mikhail Bridges, like 
bless that man because I understand he is young. I understand that he has the energy and the ability to play this many minutes night in and night out. I mean, 50 is not normal, obviously, but he is always consistently either the either has the highest amount of minutes played in a game or second highest. Mikel always seems to log the most minutes out of anybody on this team, night in and night out, all season, multiple seasons in a row now, it feels like. So we do, like, shout out to Mikel for being able to not only handle that and take those assignments and and handle them well, but also continue to stay healthy throughout all of this and what they're asking of him to do. Well, and, you know, he has 27 points, and that's what you see on the box score. And you go, wow, that's that's fantastic. And you see the 50 minutes. But the defense, I mean, I, uh, Gerald talking about Monty being, you know, very verbose about he deserves defensive player of the year. I mean, that's the thing that doesn't show up, uh, you know, in in the box score. And yet it's such an important part of what he does. Yeah, you see the two steals, but his defense and being – uh, one of the two anchors in that defense with DeAndre Ayton uh, are are so important. And with DA out after he fouled out and only playing 27 minutes in this game, Mikhail Bridges becomes the most important part of that defense uh, and the anchor of it as well. I, there's not enough that you can say about what Mikhail Bridges does. If he's not defensive player of the year, he damn well better be a first team all defensive player. If he's not, we riot. All right. That's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. For me, it's defensive player of the year or GTFO. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. Like, I know, I understand that oftentimes, you know, defensive player of the year goes to a big man because, you know, they're blocking shots, all the different things, right? Whatever, whatever the normal criteria is, I understand that it typically goes to a big man. However, I think Mikel Bridges has shown the value of having a defensive player on your team like him who can guard some of the top offensive players in the league as well as he has. This is the year to kind of add another kind of leg to what the defensive player of the year could look like in the future. Instead of just saying, well, it always has gone to this type of a player. Let's say, wait, let's take a look at how impactful this guy was who's not a traditional kind of recipient of this award and what that meant to that team and see if maybe that's something we can sort of like, let's make defense sexy, right? <laughs> that's a great way to do it. Make what Mikhail Bridges is doing defensively as a non-traditional big man or not as a non-big man. And maybe we can shift a little bit of how people, how people play in the NBA. Yeah, look, I, I don't care what the, you know, quote unquote standard of the past has been for a defensive player of the year. If we're supposedly in a statistical revolution in this game, in a way that we can better see the defensive impact of a player across the board, rather than just counting stats, then Mikhail Bridges deserves to be the defensive player of the year. He deserves to be, up there with these other guys that have been there in the past. And you're right, Lindsay, redefine what it means to be a great defensive player in this league. If everything's predicated on switching and being long and being able to do that, Mikhail Bridges is the poster boy for the new way to play defense in the NBA. And it is sexy. We joke about it, that defense is, has been boring. We've never seen it, you know, this way in Phoenix or at all in Phoenix, you know, to a certain extent. And Mikhail Bridges makes it fun to watch. He deserves that award. And in the way everything goes, he's probably not going to get it. <laughs> Don't put that bad juju out there. It's Don't not. Put that I'm just, it's the realistic juju. All right. I know it is, but, but I mean, it's a great opportunity for the NBA to reward somebody who's doing things that a lot of other people in this league are not doing, or at least not at the level he's doing it. It's also another way for the NBA to reward a team that is doing things that nobody else in the league is doing, despite all of your efforts to not want to give them any bit, any flowers. Like this is me now calling out the NBA. Like you, you need to give the sun some flowers, whatever that looks like. It means to you, you need to figure it out because you've been withholding all the flowers all season dating back to even last season. So 
Come join, come join the wagon. Just come hop on. The ride is so much more fun over here. It's smoother. Like just lean into it. He loves the game so damn much too. He has so much fun being out there. Even when he plays 50 minutes down to the, down to the last second he's playing, he brings a passion uh, to it and that smile. And you know, he just loves this game. You want that. The NBA should be doing everything they can to make this Suns team more uh, faces of the league just because of the damn how much they enjoy this game and what they do. But yeah. it doesn't fit the conventional, and that's the problem. The NBA is is stuck in these conventions and, and the way that they love certain things. The Suns break that mold, and hopefully they can win a title because when a team wins a title, those things start to become more of the expected people try to emulate what the last team that won a title did and how they won it. And that may be what it takes to, to change things, to change perception and change the perspective and get awards for these guys and recognition for these guys. So to put a bow on it at NBA, Monty Williams deserves coach of the year and Mikhail Bridges deserves defensive player of the year. Make it happen. And those three refs deserve to never call a Suns game again. <laughs> if we're putting in requests to the league, let's put that one up on that list as well. Oh, my goodness. All right, let's take a quick break because college basketball fans, it is time to join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So turn your team's victory into your own big win. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win, and you're going to get $200 in free bets if they do. It is that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops games with same-game parlays, so combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, obviously, the more money you can win. So right now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Make sure you use that promo code PHNX. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. If you win, if they win, you win with the promo code PHNX this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Just a reminder, that is 21 and older only, Arizona only. Gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only, minimum $5 minimum deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. But by the way, I don't think... Anybody that took our advice in pregame won any money on those bets. I know. I had there were two two made threes, I believe, at like two and a half minutes into the game. And then the third one was made like, I don't know, 30 seconds after the three-minute mark. So yeah. I'm glad if if you didn't take my bet, I'm glad you didn't. Mikhail plays 50 minutes and hits two three-pointers. So wah wah. I guess Gerald did win. All hail the Sun Kings. I mean, that was yet another entertaining Suns-Kings uh, matchup, even though it was frustrating as all hell. I mean, that's true. Gerald always comes in clutch with everything, I feel like. <laughs> it's easy when you... Except uh, for Mario Kart. Well, Except for uh, Mario ooh, Kart. Shots <laughs> fired yet again. I know I'm throwing shade at Gerald and not even in front of his face. Shame on yeah, me. That's all right. Shame on me. <laughs> not <laughs> even giving the club, him the opportunity Lindsay. to to clap back or defend himself whatsoever. Uh, as well, one thing that I did see tonight that someone in the chat brought up earlier, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was specifically, but it was a very good thing to see and very promising was Chris Paul was taking some shots during pregame today and he looked pretty good. Well, while here's the deal, like Monty did not provide any updates on Chris Paul recently. I think he was asked before the game tonight. Um, that is some positive, positive stuff. You love to see that he is shooting and seemingly shooting well and being able to do more and more of it each day. So progress. That's good. I'm a Keep him out until like the last two games and get a little run or get bring him back for a game with the starters, give him some run and then rest them all. Like I just after a game like tonight and, and how many minutes guys played, how how physical it was, how bad the calls were. The last thing I want is to rush Chris Paul back just to say Chris Paul is back and have anything happen. That's I'm mm -hmm. terrified of that thought right now i may even say hey you know what 
let it ride it out. Wait and wait until that game one of that first round series. I know that's not conventional thinking. People are like, oh, you need some some warm up time, but I'd rather have them run five on five in practice and and when they're waiting during that play in time and not go into a game situation at this point. I don't know that I'm fully on board with that just yet. I understand the thinking and I'm not saying that you are wrong in that thinking by any means. I think I would go with option number one that you threw out, bring them back two games prior to the end of the regular season because those two games don't matter at all. So you kind of let him just go get a feel for it, maybe play him a couple more limited minutes in those two games just to kind of get, you know, I mean, I understand it's it's a wrist injury, so he's still able to maintain a certain level of, of his playing shape, but it's still not the same as actually getting in shape of playing games. So we'll let him kind of get his legs underneath him in those first two or those last two games of the regular season prior to starting the playoffs so that he's kind of got a little bit of a rhythm once that depend- season starts. It depends if your plan is to play the starters in that first quarter and maybe a little bit in the second and then rest them or if the plan is to sit them because I don't want them coming in and playing with the bench guys just to try to get some minutes. Right. That's fair. I I like, and I don't expect Monty to completely shut everybody down. That's just not the way this team is wired, but I want this to be handled with as much caution as possible because you're going to have the, the number one seed wrapped up before Chris Paul comes back. It's a fate accompli. It's done. Oh, yeah. I mean, totally. with with the magic number being two, it's it's almost uh, next to impossible. Knock on wood, touch metal, whatever your preference is. Uh, but uh, you know, it's almost next to impossible not to reach that. So then you're literally playing for nothing at that point. Just don't do anything dumb. Is all I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely don't think the Suns would shut down anybody regardless of locking up the one seed, regardless if they get the franchise win record. I don't see them just fully shutting anybody down before the playoffs. I think they'll limit their minutes substantially. I would hope so anyway. Um, But I do think that they would still start games with their normal go-to starting unit. Maybe they just play a little bit less each time they're out there. Um, but I don't see them completely shutting anybody down. So that's why I feel like Chris Paul should still play in those final two regular season games. And that's just us guessing final two, who knows? Chris Paul might want to, we all know Chris Paul loves to play basketball. He might come back and be like, I'm ready. Put me in there right now. And not even really (laughs) give an option to the coaching staff. I still want that Lakers game on April 5th to be the, kind of that last hurrah for the, for all the main guys playing major minutes, go in there and beat them by 50, have Chris Paul as part of that. And then go, it's been fun, everybody. We'll see you in, in the first round. Kind of thing. <laughs> I know it won't happen, but that's let a man dream. All right. That's my uh, you perfect. Can, you word. can dream as well. Dream away. <laughs> we are not in the business of crushing dreams over here. All right, guys, Gerald Borgay is back. And uh, he got to talk with at least Devin Booker. So, Gerald, share with us, what did Devin say after this one? Yeah, so Devin was very complimentary of his teammates, obviously. He had a lot of great things to say about Mikael Bridges. He echoed Monty's sentiment that he should be the defensive player of the year because of the way that he guards the toughest matchups. He doesn't duck anybody. He defends from the outside in. um, And he plays those heavy minutes while still contributing on offense. It's you know, the offensive side of the ball shouldn't factor into defensive player of the year conversation, but when you're able to do it at that high of a level, I think that is a fair tiebreaker to see how much energy you're also exerting on the offensive end. Cause you know, anybody can go out there and just defend, but the way that he's able to do both is really impressive and, and speaks to the kind of two-way player that he is. Uh, Book also was very complimentary of Landry Shamit, you know, echoing what they've been saying all season long. Like we keep telling him to shoot it. He's one of the best shooters that we've ever seen. Um, and, you know, he, I think his exact words were he's got a ratchet on him. So they, they were very happy with Landry's performance and, and the play that they drew up to free him up in the corner. There was a really beautiful play for Monty Williams. Um, I also asked book about, you know, playing through the officiating because that was a big topic for this game. Um, and he said, you know, he thought it was funny that they rank like 28th in free throw attempts in the league despite being one of the best teams in the NBA. 
Um, obviously they take a lot of range jumpers and that's going to hurt your free throw attempts. But, you know, he was saying it's been like this all season long. We just kind of have to get used to not getting fouls or not getting the calls that we want. Um, even though it is frustrating, you can tell it, it definitely bothers him still the way that he's officiated the way that this team is officiated because, you know, we, we see book complain to the officials a lot of the time. We know that he's not a happy camper when it comes to that type of stuff, but you would think that with, the team's record where it is with Booker's game, where it is, he would get the benefit of the doubt on some of those superstar calls that could go either way. And, and we just don't see that from book. There was that one layup that he had, I think it was in the third quarter where he got hacked, made the layup, no call. So that's just the type of thing that he says they need to adjust to. Did we get any, uh, when, when you're talking with, uh, with coach or, or book, did anybody say anything about Jay and, and how he's, how he's feeling. We've gotten a lot of questions about that. Yeah. So I didn't get a chance to update it, update you guys on that uh, the first time around because book came up quicker than (laughs) I was expecting. But uh, Monty said, we don't have an update on Jay yet. His thing was I'm trying to get home before 10 PM, which fair, but uh, (laughs) a man after Lindsay's own heart in that respect. But um, I'm assuming we'll have an update on him probably either tomorrow or Tuesday. I'm not sure if they're going to practice tomorrow. Uh, but we do think they'll practice at least Tuesday before they fly to Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to sit tight on that one. He did come back to the bench, which is encouraging. Um, but then again, you know these guys, like they want to be on the bench. They want to be talking to each other the whole time. So that could just be it. But hopefully it's nothing too severe. Did Monty also hint at how they're going to put these guys in bubble wrap for the next <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> he did not, but we – I. <laughs> I tweeted this out during the game because at the start of OT, like we saw Mikhail Bridges minute total, he was heading for 50 minutes and he played 50 minutes tonight out of a possible 53. I know that Cam Johnson being out hurts in that regard. I know that Jay Crowder going down also hurts in that regard, but they've got to find a way to kind of dial his minutes back a little bit. Like I know he's young and he said after the game, you know, we asked him, how did you play 50 minutes and still manage to be productive? He just goes, I don't know. Like, I want to be out there. Coach trusts me to be out there. And thanks, Monty, for letting me be out there, basically, was what he had to say. Uh, But they got to dial his minutes back a little bit. You want to have him fresh for the playoffs, not, you know, playing 40 to 50 minutes a night for these last handful of games. 48 all the way. (laughs) Yeah, especially against the Kings. I know that they wanted this one, especially because, you know, they were not happy with the way that the officiating was going. They you know, they just want to win every game. And I I think guys take it upon themselves to prove things when they're put in spots like this, where they have to step up for somebody else. But yeah, 50 minutes for Mikhail Bridges against the Kings is is not ideal at all. So Gerald, we talked a little bit earlier um, in my book, it's defensive player of the year for Mikhail Bridges or GTFO NBA. How do you feel (laughs) about Mikhail deserving defensive player of the year? Look, I, I think he's absolutely deserving. Whether he actually wins it over Rudy Gobert or Giannis Antetokounmpo, I don't know because that reward has unfortunately shifted to rim-protecting bigs. And I really do think Mikael Bridges is a prime example of why you need to shift your focus to the wings, which is the most important defensive part of the floor. Like, yes, every team needs rim protection. Yes, they need bigs that can switch out onto the perimeter and hold their own. And Gobert, like the Utah Jazz's defense is absolutely horrendous whenever Gobert sits. So that kind of works in his favor. Giannis can guard one through five. That's a big thing for him. But like, so can Mikhail Bridges. And just because he doesn't have high steal or block numbers doesn't mean that his impact is not up there. It's just one of those things where it's not as much a statistical case as much as it is his importance to a top five defense, an elite defense and the way that he just plugs so many of those holes, the way that he takes the toughest matchup every night, um, it, it's it's hard to back it up with numbers. And trust me, over these next few weeks, I will do my best to dive into that very topic. But for now, the advanced metrics usually lean more towards rim protecting bigs, especially because you know some stats take into account rebounding or blocks a little bit more than others. All right, nope. I have an idea. Hold on. I have a really yeah. good idea for you, Gerald. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So Monty clearly stated twice now mm-hmm. that he needs to start talking about his players in kind of the areas of awards, right? Like he mm-hmm. needs to start bringing up that Mikel 
deserves defensive player of the year. You know, start bringing up that Chris Paul or Devin Booker, whomever deserves MVP consideration, whatever the, whatever the case may be. But right now, let's just focus on Mikel and defensive player of the year. Okay. As okay. you're doing that research to kind of back this up, I think every game you should ask Monty a question that allows him the opportunity to talk about Mikhail in that situation. Then what well, then here we go. Here's the second half of it. You should go to all of the opposing coaches, whoever were playing that night, go to their pregames, get on their pregame calls and do the same thing. Give them some numbers, give them some stats and be like, do you think we should be talking about Mikhail Bridges more with all of this information I've just provided you as a defensive player of the year candidate. And the more that you can get other coaches and money to talk about it, we're just going to go all in on this. And then, I'm going to call everybody else and see who else in the league I can get on board with this. Like, <laughs> let us just feed you some stats. And then to set you up for a really complimentary uh, statement about Mikhail Bridges. And then every night we'll take those quotes, we'll put them on quote graphics and we'll tweet them out. And, and then include- all of us, We'll retweet them and we'll make them go everywhere to the point where nobody can ignore it anymore. And then we'll tag each and every writer who's going to vote for defensive player of the year. And we'll annoyingly put it into their feed for the rest of, uh, of March and April. Uh, in the words of Charles Barkley, we're going to start a dialogue. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. I'm on board. Well, I, Gerald, are you on board? You down? I'm I'm on board. I think Monty might get sick of me after the fourth time that I do that. But, you know, uh-huh. it, it is or what it is. Or he'll love I, you for it. It's, it's entirely possible. But I also think we need to be pushing Monty for coach of the year. Because if he doesn't win coach of the year, I don't understand what the criteria is for that award. I understand Taylor Jenkins and J.B. Bickerstaff have had great years with their teams. They're deserving of votes for sure. But you look at this team and how many more injuries they've had to go through this season compared to last year. At this point last year, they were 51-21. and They're seven games better than that this season, despite having to deal with way more injuries. I know the continuity is on their side, that they have a fantastic roster. They have depth, you know, one through 16 pretty much. But the job that Monty has done both on and off the court of managing egos, drawing up X's and O's, keeping this team focused on a night-in, night-out basis. That is really hard to do, to have the respect for each and every opponent that you have, the way that this Suns team does, and to take it one step at a time when we all know what the ultimate goal is. Like, that is a really hard juggling act to manage. And, yeah, I I mean, if you look at the Suns' record since the bubble started, they've been the best team in the NBA by far. It's not even close. And for Monty Williams to not have a single coach of the year award in that span would be an absolute travesty. He deserved it last year. He deserves it even more this year. We need to make sure that we have that dialogue going as well, because it'd be a pity if he doesn't win that award. One, one thing on the defensive player of the year, I hate the argument that, well, and and I'm not knocking you. I know this is a, Mm -hmm. uh, this is a league wide narrative thing, but Oh, when Rudy Gobert misses games, Utah's defense is so bad. So Mikhail gets hurt or gets uh, gets hurt from a voting standpoint because he never misses games. So we have no clue what the Suns defense looks like without him. Like mm-hmm. uh, that that's just such crap. That's like, BS. Yeah, like let me tell you, the defense would be hurt without Mikhail Bridges. There would be it would be problematic. We don't need to find out. Go simulate it on NBA 2K <laughs> if you really want to see it. I like that. I don't think that should be even taken into consideration when one of the guys hasn't missed a damn game since high school. You know, if anything, it should be an argument in his favor that he is that reliable every single night and doesn't Mm -hmm. miss games and leave liabilities for his teammates to pick up. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, that should be an argument in his favor. Just like. I know all of this. You're I I, I completely agree. And I, I think if you <laughs> look, a lot of the Jazz's playoff failings over the last few years are not Gobert's fault. He has been played off the floor in some situations. A lot of that is just because the Jazz perimeter's defense is so bad. But if you're asking me who would you rather have defensively in a playoff series when another team goes small, who is going to be more versatile, who is going to be more valuable in – guarding any type of different lineup or matchup that an opponent's going to throw at you in a playoff series, I would have Mikhail Bridges over Rudy Gobert. And I think that should matter, even if the advanced metrics or block numbers or whatever number you want to throw out there 
doesn't back that up. I would rather have Mikael Bridges on my defense than Rudy Gobert in a crunch time playoff scenario. Yeah, I mean, especially if switching is such an important part of the game defensively now, there's not a guy better at it than Mikael Bridges. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that should be taken into consideration. All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts on tonight's game before we head into our final topic of the show? Thank God it's over. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, the one thing that stood out was, and it continues to stand out. We've talked about this a lot, but Landry Shamit after the game saying like, this is the best locker room I've ever been a part of. This is the best group of guys, not just talented, but just the camaraderie of this team, the way that they compete the way that they play for each other, um, you know, and this is a guy who's been on like four or five different teams in his first couple of years in the league. So, and he's been on very good teams too. So the fact that he thinks that this is the best locker room he's been a part of, that they continue to encourage him to shoot because we know how bad he was before the all-star break with his three-point efficiency. He's shooting about 41, 42% uh, since the all-star break after tonight's game, like that kind of stuff matters. And I, I think it's going to matter more as we, continue to move closer to the playoffs. All right, guys, we are going to go into our final topic of the night. And this one comes courtesy of PGC basketball on Twitter. So they tweeted out, you're in an elevator with LeBron and Diana Taurasi. There's time to ask each one question about anything basketball related. What do you ask? This is a tough one. Espo, I think you've had a little more time to think about yours, so I'll have you go first. Gerald, you're next. Okay. You know, there's there's a lot of non-basketball things I'd love to ask. That's my them. problem is I don't want to ask a basketball <laughs> question. I want to ask them other questions far more than a basketball. Like, and are we trapped in this elevator, or is it, do I have, like, one floor to ask this question? I'm going to say – you get to have as much time as it takes for each of them to give you a legitimate answer. I still would rather be trapped, but all right, we'll do it this way. Uh, so I would ask, honestly, what what it feels like to be in the zone and understand that, like, actually walk me through mentally what it's like and and, and give me that, that description. And I want to hear do they both have a similar experience or is being in the zone as one of the greatest ever? Is it different based on the person or is this something that's, that's genetically similar to all the greats? Does it just feel the same or is there something distinctively for each person? That's what I'd love to know from both. of them. Okay. I like metal Mike in the comments said for the question for LeBron is what do you think about Diana? And then the question for Diana is, what's up? I like that. I would love to ask LeBron, like, if you were in a, like, this is no shade to LeBron by any means, but if you were in an elevator with the two of them, it would be like, hey, LeBron, tell me all the amazing things about Diana Taurasi's game right now. Let me record it and put it on the internet and just Mm -hmm. be like, you just keep going. Just all the positive things about Diana Taurasi. (laughs) One, one question as well. Uh, Andy B in the chat says, Jesus, Espo, you better hope they're going to floor 150. <laughs> hey, she said I get as, as long as I need to get the answer out of them. So that I, I played by the rules. Does asking LeBron if that weird-ass crypto commercial he's in, uh, how he felt about the CGI count as basketball? Because he's talking to himself about basketball and the CGI young LeBron is in his high school basketball jersey. Does that count? Because that shit was creepy. <laughs> sure why not All right. honestly I think if I wanted I wouldn't want to ask LeBron I don't know if this is the best answer but I would be curious to know exactly what goes into maintaining his body mm. especially at this point in his career like I want to know because there's been articles that have come out that said he spent you know millions and millions of dollars being able to stay at a certain level um and I just want to know all the ins and outs of all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that would be, I think that would certainly be interesting. For Diana Taurasi, I feel like the same thing, kind of the mindset thing. I just would want to know what does it feel like to literally be loved by every single person <laughs> that has ever known of you? Yeah. 
I, I, well, I feel like because she's just such a cool person. Like we were, Kellen and I were sitting in practice the other day waiting to be let in for media availability. And she came into the facility, walks in through the front door like a normal person, says what's up to us both, like and just keeps walking about her day. Like she's just the nicest and most chill individual until she's not chill when she's on the court. <laughs> but it's like, she's just a cool person. Like, I don't know. Yeah, she's super dope. If I could pick one person in the world to be like best friends with, I think it'd probably be Diana Taurasi. Yeah, she'd be a great friend to have. Yeah, totally. You Gerald, do you have any other? Go ahead, Espo. You probably could have made that happen while you worked in the same building. I'm disappointed <laughs> in your effort, Lindsay. Listen, Espo, <laughs> the problem was is that I don't get starstruck for anybody that I'm aware of outside of really badass women. And Diana Taurasi is like the top of that list. So anytime I spoke with her, I was so nervous. My <laughs> palms were sweaty. I was like, don't, don't look like a dumbass, Lindsay. Like, don't do something stupid. She made me real nervous. And so I, I probably was just like, she's, I was more she's focused those, on not being dumb than like befriending her. <laughs> she's one of those people that is like so cool that you feel nervous until they start talking to you and treat you like a normal human being. And then you're mm -hmm. like, fuck, they're so cool. <laughs> and, then you, and then you get nervous again because they're so cool. Like it's a yeah. repeating cycle. <laughs> I'm disappointed in both of you. You both should be best friends with Diana Tarazi. I was when I was there. She and I hung out all the time. Like, it was awesome. Not really. Nobody liked me, but that's all right. That's a me problem, not a them problem. So. It's it's not, Espo. Every, lots of people like you. We like you, Espo. We're happy you're Lindsay, here. Lindsay struggled there. She was going to say everybody likes you, and she went, uh, lots of people like you. <laughs> Every, well, because I can't speak you. for everybody, <laughs> but Gerald, I know what, lots of people like you. What's your basketball question for these greats? All right. For LeBron James, it's do you regret not signing with the Phoenix Suns back in 2018? Because guess what? You won one title with the Lakers, but you could have started a new dynasty here in Phoenix with Book and these young guns. You could have played with Chris Paul. I'm just saying, like, could have been different if you'd come chance. to Phoenix. Yeah, there probably is. But <laughs> if he wants to take the vet minimum, that's cool. But um, <laughs> the other thing uh, for DT, I would have two questions. Number one is what are you most proud of in your basketball career? Because someone like that who has so many highlights in her career, so many memorable moments, and has done so much for women's basketball, like I want to know what she is most proud of and when she's done, like what she's going to look back on the most fondly. And then also I want to hear her favorite trash talk stories because you know that she has some fantastic stories to tell on that front. I would want to know like which put down or which trash talking game was her favorite and why. That's a good question. I like, you know, another one that I thought of for DT, I'd love to know, was there ever a time you and Sue Bird disagreed on the basketball court? Because they always seem like so chill together and like the coolest of friends. And I want to know, what was the beef? How did that, was there ever beef there? I'm sure there was. At least at least like a little bit, I'm sure. Or you got to wonder, do they have the best trash talk because they know the most about each other? Exactly. Right? Has either one of them ever crossed the line because they know so much about each other? Yeah, there we go. Now we need to get DT on and just ask that stuff. <laughs> Seriously. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for joining us here in the VIP lounge. Um, it's been a it's been a day. It's been a day. We're glad that game is over. We are glad nothing any more substantial happened within that game and that the Suns got a W. Another reminder that the magic number for locking in that one seed is now down to two. We are going to be back tomorrow with a live show for you guys at 2 p.m. So plan to come hang out with us. We're going to have a special guest on the show. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, and a quick reminder that if you are not a member of gophnx.com, now is a great time to become a member. You get access to exclusive content. You get access to Gerald's articles. You get access to a lot of content for all the teams in the Valley. So if you are more than just a Phoenix Suns fan, this is a great place to get news, notes, opinions, updates, all of that type of stuff. 
gophnx.com. And if you sign up today, you can either get your first month for 50 cents or you can get a t-shirt of your choice for free from our locker room. So do that. <laughs> do that. Yeah. Do it. Just, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And you can follow me on Twitter at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us on. Mikhail Bridges is the best defensive player in the NBA. Suck it, Giannis. Oh, yeah. <laughs>